0: Prepare, respond, serve. This is the Five Stone Podcast, where the Five Stone Pro Staff brings you years of real-world professional experience from the front line.
1: Let's do this.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to Five Stone. Uh, We have got a whole series starting right now for Five Stone called Trauma Talks. And uh, it's gonna be very hard to do, it's a very personal one, but this whole uh, series is meant to reach out to those people that go through daily traumatic responses that have suffered from PTSD, and uh, maybe you've been in the military, maybe you've had just a personal encounter that you've had to deal with, maybe it's abuse or whatever it might be, and um, to let you kind of relate to the front line. So as first responders, as medical providers, Um, uh, Former military veterans. We have a lot of stories that have been contributed to Five Stone that we want to share with the public. This is not easy to do. This is very difficult for us to do because it brings up a lot of, I don't know, I guess scars or emotions that we kind of suppress and bury and get out of our thoughts and minds. But it's things that have really impacted us and changed the way that we really view life and, I guess, in my opinion, the way that I've had Maybe marital problems, family situational problems, relationship problems. It goes really deep, and by bringing this stuff to the surface, it's it 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 helps us to be able to relate to other people. The stories that we're getting ready to tell, we have not shared with each other, okay. And there's been stories, like I said, submitted that um, to me that you all haven't even heard that we're going to go through in our upcoming podcast. But it's not a fact to get attention. It's not trying to get sympathy. It is a point to try to show you all what your first responders deal with every single day, day in, day out. You know, there's the term PTSD. Um, I do not think that applies to first responder. I don't. Or to the medical provider. I do not believe that at all. We have recurrent traumatic stress adaptation. I know that's not an official diagnosis in the medical community. Maybe this will help to get it done that way. But there is no post because we relive it every single day.
1: It's a true story.
0: Right? True story. Yes, it's traumatic stress, but there's no disorder. It becomes an adaptation because you can't just have one experience and then try to overcome what it's done to you. You adapt it to it every single day and then try to shut it off when you come back home and deal with your family.
1: Yeah, and you see this. You see a new kind of stress Yeah, almost day. daily. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it's crazy, and you can't just see the same thing. Like you said, it's it's new. It may be the same type of a call or a run or a patient, but they're all different, you know. So this is for us to bring awareness to the community to let you all know and experience what we experience every day, so you become more aware. To to have a discussion, a public discussion, a public awareness that there is a need for us. There is a need. We don't have a VA. We don't. And so we've done some research. We've got some contact information, some numbers you can call, people that have offered to help, and that we can try to get. If you're struggling, you're having issues, we can try to connect you with those people. So for our very first trauma talks, we got Renee Blackaby with us, a local paramedic and really kind of a hero to the community. She worked with the uh, local fire and EMS here, and she, well, she still does, but she created a uh, her and our videographer here with River Right Productions, Blake they created a um, video to kind of reach out for people that are struggling with PTSD. And they called in people that are struggling with depression or anxiety and suicidal, and it's already saved several lives, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a that's huge, you know? And we can't thank you enough for doing that for our community. So we want people to know that you're not alone. We deal with the same stuff that you deal with. And this is not a, a I wouldn't want to say a cry for help, but it's a cry for awareness. It's a cry for like, hey, look, here's what we're dealing with. You're not alone if you're a first responder. You're not alone if you're former military. You've dealt with something. If you had a personal situation, like, we're there with you. Okay?
1: Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with you. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Not as, not as far as, uh, you know, you're not an outcast. Right. It's it's more normal than you think. Yeah.
0: We mentioned on that podcast before, it's podcast four or five that we talked about, the silent scream of your first responders. Right. It's like when the tones go out and we come to you to your rescue we're feeling the same thing that you're feeling. That's right. You know, you're not alone. So, all right, no no further ado, Renee. Here's your, you're you're breaking the ice here for the trauma talk. So, guys, we don't know how this is going to go. This is just, we're just going to talk through it, and it is what it is. So, there may be some rough times, there may be some emotions, there may be some feelings, and we're just going to get through it. And this is is for us to kind of talk through. It's for you all to experience it and uh, let you know that you're not alone. So, go for it.
2: So I want to preface this with saying that there's so many different types of calls that we get to and we all go to motor vehicle accidents, but um, I'm starting to realize more now. With how often they happen, how much it's affected me afterwards, and I don't realize it until I'm sitting here thinking, "Like, why am I thinking that? Why, why am I afraid of this? Why, why am mm-hmm. I going down this certain mental path?" And then I have to retrace, like, okay, well, I saw this, I did this, and this particular story, uh, there's a child in it. Uh, it's a double fatality. Um, it could have been way worse than it was, but it was still, uh-huh. it was still really awful. So. Uh, We got called to a head-on collision on a really popular road. When they paged it out, right away, whoever showed up first recognized that there was possibly DOA, one one to two DOAs. That's how severe the collision was. Uh, Me and my partner get on air. We start heading that way. And right away, I'm going through my head. I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? Called for a helicopter. We got there before uh, I got an answer about the helicopter. And just before we got there, they're like, there is, there's a child involved. So my mentality shifted completely. So I went from thinking I'm going to treat these adults, I'm going to do this first, uh, because when you deal with children, it's so hard. M- my head went directly to that child. I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? I can't, we can't treat them here. We don't have specialized pediatric stuff here. I was like, I have got to get him out. So. We show up on scene and there's two vehicles Mm -hmm. and these bystanders had pulled this child out of the car without his car seat. And not everybody knows that if a child is still in an infant seat or a front facing car seat and there is a collision, you take the whole seat out. You leave them in the car seat because it's already providing a certain amount of stability for them. They're belted in, you know. It's it. You can control them more. You can keep them in line. It's right. a lot easier than mm-hmm. laying them on a spine board. Right. Uh, they had pulled him out. I don't know how they pulled him out. I don't know where his car seat was in the vehicle at that point because I laid eyes on him and I'm like screaming infant. Okay, he's screaming. He's good. This right. is great. You mm-hmm. know, he's That's he's a, he's conscious and he's got a patent airway. Most so. people
0: don't like that, but and first responder, you do. Right. That's what like, you want to hear? I'm like <laughs> right. great.
2: He's screaming, we're, we're, right. we are good. And they were holding, trying to hold C-sine, C-spine for him, right. keeping his, his head straight. And I think there was a nurse on scene. At that point, I had tunnel vision. So I'm like, I've got to take care of this child. Right. Nothing else on that scene existed to me but this child.
0: Right.
2: And there was a whole bunch of firemen on scene. So by the time I turned around, I already had my stretcher uh, behind me. So, we had the stretcher out. We had the pediatric spine board. We laid him on the spine board. Uh, we used a towel as a seat collar instead mm-hmm. of a regular seat collar because we had no information on this kid. He was too big to be an infant, but he was like a really small toddler.
0: Right, gotcha. So, I think he So, ended a seat collar is, for people that don't know, is like that holds the neck in line.
2: Right, and doesn't anytime let there's. The neck move, yeah. Right. So, I think <clears> he ended up being somewhere around 18 months old. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of hard to gauge children's age when they're that little so we laid him on the spine board we immediately got into the back of the truck and i had like five people back there with me and this kid's just screaming and thrashing around um it was confirmed to me that the other two passengers in the vehicle that he was in were both deceased on impact so in the back we already have a a high velocity wreck with uh, death in the same vehicle. I'm thinking, what, what is wrong with this child? He's screaming. And uh, as you do when we get into the back of the truck, we, we take everybody, we take all their clothes off so that we can assess them fully. And he had blood on him and I'm like, oh my God, he's bleeding. I, I gotta find out where it's coming from. And I'm head to toe like three times before I realized it wasn't his blood, it was the blood from the people who were in front of him. Uh, we tried to put spider straps on him. He was not having it. This little dude was fighting with everything he had, which was right. good. Still, right. awesome. Like, I'm, it was, I was okay with it. There was not a whole lot that. It's really. It's so hard to treat kids that can't talk because they can't tell you they where can't they're
0: hurt. What's wrong? You know. Right.
2: And and he was pushing his. He was pushing the spider straps away, and I'm like, I've got to put hands on this kid so I can try and assess if there's something broken. Um. I had somebody outside of the truck trying to get information from the passengers that that from the. People who were standing by that pulled him out, like, "Where was his car seat? Was it buckled correctly? Uh, was he in it correctly? Like, you know, because that helps, let us know how his car seat functioned, if, mm-hmm. if he was where he needed to be properly. And uh, they were able to tell me that they did unbuckle him. He was properly buckled. He had the seatbelt, you know, the little buckle across mm-hmm. his chest where where it needed to be. Uh, and he had small bruises all over. And I could not find a thing wrong with this child. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, these two are dead. There's something there. He's screaming. I'm like, there's something wrong with this child. Um, The helicopter finally landed. Uh, I had OIC taking care of that because at that point I was just like so focused on making sure that this kid didn't didn't head down a down the bad way. Mm -hmm. You know how it is with kids, you know. You have to stay ahead of the curve. And yeah, they
0: deteriorate so fast. They compensate. They
2: compensate until they do. And then, yeah, like, dive, so. yeah. And it's terrifying because you can't, how do you treat somebody who can't tell you where they're hurting? Right. Uh, it's like
0: you fear that bomb dive coming. You know, it's just right, like they're doing, good, they're doing good. They're doing good. They're doing good. Bottle signs are yep. good. Everything's good. Then all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, no. And you don't know why. It's yeah. a
1: cliff. It's a cliff, right. not a gradual.
2: Mm-hmm. So they jumped in the back of the truck and at that point i was doing my best to try and soothe him because at that point the only thing that i could do was try and and calm him down so that he'd stop fighting us so that i can get hands on him and and try to assess assess make sure that he didn't have any broken bones Mm -hmm. and besides the bruises i didn't see anything and of course i didn't find out till afterwards that he had a broken collarbone that's how fat everything he was in his seat correctly it was buckled exactly how it needed to be that car seat did everything it was supposed to. And he still got his collarbone broken, but that's how much the force of the impact was. And that was the only thing that was wrong with him. So I sent this little baby on a helicopter with no information. I didn't know how old he was. I didn't know his name. I didn't know his birthday. I didn't have any medical history on him, which is like, you can't in healthcare. You're like, Oh my God, like, what do I do? (laughs) You're starting from like, you know, nothing. So once they left, and I was still on scene, I was I a was primary medic on scene. Right. The second medic unit had taken care of the passenger in the other vehicle. Uh, he had his seatbelt on, mm-hmm. his airbags went off, his truck did everything it was supposed to, and I think he ended up walking away with just maybe like a broken bone or something. Like he was, he was okay. Uh, they had transported him, so I went back to the vehicle. I think it was like an SUV or a Jeep or something funny how i don't i remember the color of it i don't remember what it was but i i remember everything on that scene i don't remember mm -hmm. what type of vehicle it was but i remember the color and i walked around to look at at the uh the driver and the passenger because i still had to do a report on them Mm -hmm. i had to get their names i tried had to get as much information as i could from them Uh, and it looked like they did not have their seatbelt on and their dashboard was essentially in their laps like, there was just massive, massive trauma. There was a lot of blood everywhere, um, fluids from the car, and it ended up taking a really long time to extricate them. Uh. Uh, there was just a lot that, that went wrong, and it was just such a—the car was just folded up in such a certain way that if you put the tool some way, you were going to accidentally— damage the person you know yeah you don't want to cause any more tra- i mean yes they're passed away but you still don't want to cause any more right. trauma right. than need be so it, it took a while to pull these these two uh people out of the vehicle and you know we did what we we needed to do we helped the coroner package them up and and send them on their way and like afterwards i get back and i'm like i'm worried about the kid because right. i didn't have any information yeah, on you have him no and idea then,
0: what you sent out yeah.
2: and I couldn't treat anything and it's it's awful as a healthcare provider when you have all of these tools available to you and I couldn't make that child feel better because I didn't have an x-ray machine in the back of that truck. Like I could, there was nothing that I could have physically done for him other than talk to him soothingly and protect his, protect his neck and his back for potential, potential injury. Um, we get back and you know, my adrenaline's like right here, my heart rate's here We get back to the station and like you can't come down from that and it takes a really long Mm -hmm. time to come down from that and it happens to that accident happened to be in a place that I drive by every single day that I go to work. The oil stains are still in the road so every time I pass that place I'm like I see the truck, uh, I see the kid, I remember the exact color of his eyes, uh... I remember the two women, I remember the vehicle, I remember where I stood. And it's like you relive that over and over again. And just recently they, they put up crosses, but you know, I didn't I didn't right. need to I didn't need to know where the crosses were to right. know exactly where, where it happened. Right. Yeah. So fast forward like six months, something like that, there was another um accident that I wasn't even on duty that day. Uh there was so many victims involved in this accident that I got called in saying, hey, I know you live by, we've got a really big wreck, I need you to come in. You know, I met uh, the major at, at the station mm-hmm. and we jumped in a truck and we transported a non-serious victim to the hospital and I went back to the scene to help because it involved a commercial vehicle and the commercial vehicle was on top of this other vehicle. Oh, So, and this is another road that we travel almost daily or like every third day because of the transports that we make.
0: And how many fatalities in that one?
2: There was just one, one. but it was, God, it was brutal. Like he was, the semi was on top of the car. Yeah. So they had to lift the semi off and pull it. And the car had to be, essentially opened because he was just he was smashed in it and his body was laid back and it took a lot to get him out too and, and he had a lot of damage to him and i'm just trying to get him out without causing any more damage like i, I don't want to get into too much details but All after right. you you go to pull these people out and you feel their <clears throat> broken bones in their body like in that first wreck one of the passenger's arms was completely shattered. So you go to pull them out to help them, and you can't hold that because there's there's nothing there in their arm. Like yeah. that, the arm was completely shattered. I mean, it was still on; it was still intact. You know, there was, but the inside was was done. Yeah. And the passenger in the in the second accident, uh, he he had a lot of damage, and and there was a lot of open wounds. So you got to see a lot of tissue. Right. It wasn't as much blood, but a lot of tissue and. Stuff, you know, we, shouldn't stuff we shouldn't have to see. Stuff we shouldn't have to see. And the hard thing about it is you're standing there and you're waiting for for law enforcement to do what they do and the coroner to do what they do. And you look at these people's cars and their life was just, you see a screenshot of their life. Like mm. they got dressed that day. They put on, they decided to put this shirt on. Why, why did they do that? Mm. You know, they buckled their kid in the car just like they do every time that, that they go somewhere. And This guy was just driving to to his family and he had a guitar in the, back, in the back of his car, and you know, you, you get to see the screenshot of this is what happened right before he died. He did not know that this was happening. Yeah,
1: I've never thought of that that way. I mean, I've been on those scenes and yeah. seen that stuff. I don't know that I've ever... I mean, I've, I've thought about things that, like, you know... I, I don't know, for me, on, these, on the really traumatic scenes, I wonder, like, right before it happened... What did they feel and, and did they know, you know, and what happened in that space and time? You know, I think about that driving down these same roads. Yeah. To, and I think about that. Now, if this truck hits me, what am I going to feel right before I die.
2: yeah that's that is exactly the mentality so we're going down these roads where all this traumatic stuff has happened and it's really bad and I'm like, okay well, d- exactly like you're thinking like I'm driving here, but what if that car hits me? what if that car hits me and it just doesn't happen with one car it happens with every single one that goes by or the big commercial vehicles the big old semis like i can't I can't drive exactly next to one or if one's coming uh this way and I'm going this way like mm. I get over because I'm like what if, what if he decided to show up to work drunk? What if he's under the influence or something? What if he's tired? Yeah, it's
0: dang. It's kind of <laughs> like the you hear the the road less traveled or the road well traveled or most traveled. It's like the road not so well traveled, right? You know, when you work in an area and you see so much stuff,
2: right? In yeah. these
0: same places, and you and I've done it. I've driven by these places and relived it. And right. Relived those things
1: just like yeah. You can't get out of it. Well, the worst thing about working in a small community is you got about a one in 10 chance that, you know, the individual, right. Or, you know, somebody yeah, that knows yeah. the individual. I mean, one of them, you know, not that this is my trauma talk, but one of the, the, the first in hospital traumas that I can remember was on one of my brother's good friends. And he didn't make mm-hmm. it, you know, and I, I can remember everybody, you know, and that's, yeah, it's messed up, it's messed up, man. I still see some of those people, <clears throat> Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Every day, every day of my life.
2: We we are there for those people's the worst day of their life, yeah. and we do that every day. Every day, every day that we show to work, show up to work, it's potentially somebody's worst day of their life, and you live that with them. You feel their emotions because that's we're human. Mm-hmm. You know we can't always just shut everything down. Uh, in the moment, it's really easy. Like, you, you, you focus, you're like, this is my job, this is what I got to do. But as soon as things slow down, you start looking at things. You start looking at small details, like, oh, there was a book in the backseat. They were reading this. Yeah. Why were they yeah. reading this? What were they doing? Where were they going? You know, their yeah. whole lives just completely stopped.
1: Yeah, I remember, I don't know if you were on that one, Blake, but uh, and I don't know if you were or not, but the, the search in Greene County, the river search, where the horsemen. Uh, went under the water, and we were called for a recovery. Maybe. I just remember we were coming out of the water. We had we had located the individual. We were coming out of the water. As a team, we were coming up the hill to, to basically restock, resupply, regroup, and get ready for the next one. But um, I remember I had my back turned, and I remember they told, I don't know who it was, it was a family member, but I, I still vividly remember her screaming, and what got me, we'd seen that a million times. But what got me, and I don't know that everybody on the team realized that when she did that, we all went, we all flinched. And then we were back, we were back online. Back, but I remember seeing the guys in front of me, the team in front of me, flinching when she screamed. Mm-hmm. It was it w- it wasn't out of fear because I mean we do crazy stuff all the time. I honestly think it was we knew it was coming, we just didn't know. But I remember that scream, and I remember you know. To me there is no worse sound than hearing that scream
0: of a family member. Oh, yeah. I've heard it way too many times. I've heard dying people that don't scream like
2: that. Yeah. It's 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 awful to say, but it, it's easier to deal with the people that have already passed yes. than it is to yes, deal with their family members because that's you know, it's just a vessel at that point and we right. take care of them and it's awful. Yes, it's awful. But they've already gone home. Right. They're at peace. It's the people that are left over that have to deal with that that is the absolute hard thing to deal with
1: yeah well and then we deal with it you know i don't think you were talking about you know it's everybody's worst day and you know like that scene there i'm talking about you know five minutes from that point we were all cutting on each other and laughing again and i don't think it was out of actually i know it was People people hear, you know, I work in a healthcare setting as well in emergency departments and I used to be a director and I'd get these calls and your staff was laughing. You know, your staff was... I sat back in that room and I waited for two hours and all I heard was laughing. You know, one day I got tired of it and I said, you know why they were laughing? And the lady said, well, uh, and before she could answer, I said, it's because they had just worked a code on a three-year-old and all they could do was cheer each other up so that nobody would so everybody would stop crying so maybe that one one of them wouldn't go home and have one too many beers or one too many shots and end up right there next to that kid you know people forget that that laughter is a medicine and that's why you know people that work in the field we all have this what they call dark humor and you know i've met veterans that are the same way man Yep. it's a defense mechanism so think about that next time you hear you see some people at a scene and and you know that there's a death there because they got the sheet you know out right. Whatever, right or the coroner van but you see a bunch of people laughing just think about why they're laughing it's not because they're having a good time because I can promise you they're, they're not. not I can promise you that man
0: I, I can remember working in the ER and there was a call that I'm not trying to take away from your story but it kind of relates to that that there's a, there's a call that went out and it was um. um Multi-patient trauma, and again, you know, dead on arrival, and there was supposedly a kid that got ejected, an infant, and they couldn't locate the body. They were like, "My baby is missing. Where's my baby?" And it was rollover, and the trauma surgeon was there. I'm not saying it's right, but the trauma surgeon started laughing, and I charged at that trauma surgeon, screaming and cussing and, and trying to attack him. Everybody helped me back. And I was like, you worthless POS, like, how dare you? You know, I was ready to take this man down. Right. I was a new nurse. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you don't do that. And you still, you no, know, you don't do that. And I get it. But being in it several years, that was a horrible way to cope. That is but a, that was his coping mechanism. As correct. bad as it was, he was trying to, whatever he could try to do to make some kind of light, I'm assuming that's what he was trying to do. Yeah. Now, it wasn't correct. Don't get me wrong. And I don't regret doing what I did you know but I thought how warped is this human being right and then down the road 20 years later
2: you understand it
0: yeah we're all pretty warped
1: yeah Yeah. he was just making he was making himself feel as good as he could because he knew what was what kind of carnage he was fixing to have to deal with
2: so and and it's it sounds it's going to sound really bad when I say this but you guys are going to understand it like if I haven't heard from somebody in a while and especially with vehicles, because I've got right now I've got this fixation on, on accidents because we've had so many recently and there's been so many right. fatalities. And if I don't get a text message from somebody, I'm like, text me so I know you're not dead. It's not, hey, text me when, when you get to your... I'm like, I, tell me you're not dead. Right, because yeah. that's how we think. It is. Like, I'm not... My mind oh, it automatically goes to something bad happened. It wasn't their fault, but it was somebody else's fault. Because we, we see it daily. These people are driving... Um. Distracted, they're, yeah. they're driving under the influence because they think that nothing's bad's going to happen to me. I got this. I'm a good driver. Like, mm-mm. you know. All right. I might be an okay driver, but I don't know about everybody else. Right. So I'll send those text messages. I'm like, okay, let me know you're not dead or I'm going to go find you. Or, or I'm going to call yeah. somebody to go look for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems, ex- it seems extreme and it seems savage, but I'm like, hey, let me know you're alive.
1: How many, how many wrecks would you say you've had since? a particular wreck with the infant that you've been to, let's just say in general, just general wrecks, not necessarily fatalities, but how many of you think you've been to since then? It's, Ballpark, it's, I know you don't have an exact figure.
2: Maybe like 20-ish, 30-ish. We have a lot. Yeah. And that ranges from minor fender bender, I scratched my arm, to, right. you know, broken femur. Right. Everything in between.
1: But I just think it was interesting that, you know, you can still recall every detail of that oh yeah yeah you know is there um is there a i guess what what is the takeaway from that what do you deal with every single day you said you know it still affects you i know i realize you drive by and that's a you know and and you see that and obviously it's a visual reminder but what feeling do you have now that what part of that crash did you take with you
2: that as an educator, I need to let people know how good car seats are and how important seatbelts are. Because, yes, it was brutal, but had those, had they had their seatbelts on, it could have gone a little bit different. Uh, they didn't have their seatbelts on. Um, knowing how to properly...
0: The two in the front didn't have... The
2: two in front didn't have... not, But the gentleman who walked away with just a broken bone, he had his seatbelt on, his airbags went off, everything like... Yeah. His truck, his vehicle took care of him because he was doing what he was supposed to do, and thankfully, that infant car seat—it was a front-facing car seat—was strapped in every way that it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. He was nice and tight; every buckle was where it was supposed to be. And he walked. Well, he didn't. Walk, you know. Yeah. He only had a broken collarbone. Yeah.
0: Uh,
2: so it's crazy. it's so important to you put your put your seatbelt on, man. It's it makes a difference. You know, if you're buckling your child, don't push them. For the front-facing car seats, if they're not ready, don't push for the booster seat if they're not ready because those harnesses have—they're have, what saved that—that that baby. If—if right. if the straps would have been loose, if the thing would have been a little bit lower, he could have, you know, right. came out from the top.
0: Um, this 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 whole podcast has even gone a different direction than what I thought because it's not so much about what we see and what we do and how to relate to people, but. This is a very good educational right. example of right. like how oh, yeah. important they are. You know these seat belts and
1: car seats and proper restraints. Yeah, I mean, what'd you put in your box that you lock up and you don't talk about it anymore? Everybody knows anybody that's first responder, military. <laughs> yeah. I just dropped the bomb on her. <laughs> yeah, he did. So you know, uh, she's like, uh, yeah, I don't want to open it. I don't. I don't <laughs> talk about it. Yeah, I mean that's that's it's, the, it's a box for a reason. Well, that's so people that don't know, there is a saying among. People that deal with trauma on a pretty op- often basis, pretty regular basis, or have dealt with major trauma, you put that in a box and you lock it up. You don't talk about it. You don't bring it back up. Yeah. You don't talk about it, except for every now and then. And that's, uh, for people that don't know, we're you know, first responders, EM, EMS, EMTs, fire, uh, rescue, police, uh, military are at a high percentage of alcoholism, uh, drug abuse, um, suicide Divorce. Divorce. Uh, you name it, we're pretty much uh, at the cutting edge of that unfortunate bit of information and uh, life choices. Uh, and the reason for that is because you put that stuff in a box and you lock it up. Yeah. Um, and that's why you can recall it all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's weird, but what did you put in the box?
2: Um, <laughs> the, the details, the, the the specific details, the gory details, the stuff like that I can remember what that girl was wearing, how her arm was faced, uh, the look in her eyes that was just, you know, her life stopped at that moment. And how I deal with things is I have to give every detail because that's how I cope with it. If I get it out, then I know somebody else has heard me and I don't, it's, it's almost sharing the burden. Right. Like I don't have to hold on to, to all of that, but there's like, you sit there and I'm like, okay, that could have been my family in there. Right. Or I, I see my kids in those in those situations mm-hmm. and it comes back and I'm like, okay, I'm really harsh on my family and I'm, I'm really harsh with my kids on you wear your seatbelt. You wear it all the time. You can't sit like that in the car. This is why. And I, I'm very open with my children because they know my job and as they get older, they're able to understand more. So if I tell them... I want them to do this. Sometimes they don't always ask why, but sometimes they do. And I'm like, this XYZ can happen if you don't do that without trying to be so blunt, because the blunt stuff is, is how I deal with it. Like that. I, I like to give the gory details, but there's not a whole lot of people who like to hear that. Uh, I can't talk to my family
1: at back home.
2: You know, if, if I have a really bad call, and and I need somebody to know what I just went through. I have to like glaze over it with my family. Right.
0: But you, just, I mean, I think you just said it's like I like to give the gory gory details. It's not that we're warped and twisted, but
2: oh no, it's not a pleasure we, thing, got, right, right? We've got to
0: get it out. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like I saw this, and I I don't I got to talk about it. Who do you talk to about it?
2: Co-workers, uh, yeah. my fiance. That's that's how we get it because he's yeah. he's a police officer. He's he's seen it. He's there with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, future mother in law she's a nurse future father in law's a, a coroner, so they one hundred percent understand they it, it. Yeah. and that kind of support system is really really important yeah. for those who don't have that kind of support system, you lean on your coworkers right. you lean on the people who were there on that scene right. because all of those people saw the same stuff that you did so right. uh, we we have chaplains that work with us, and we have a couple of really, really good chaplains that yeah. if you called them at any time of day, he would be there.
1: Yeah. That
0: is so important. I ran into a guy. We were set up the other day doing a show, and ran into a guy, and he was like, you know, he said, I really like Five Stone. And I was like, why? And he said, I feel like this is going to help me get over my problems. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? He said, I lost my mom about a year ago. He said, I've seen all this stuff in the fire department, and like, I appreciate what you all are doing, like getting into your podcast and watching this stuff and like having some, you know, a way to put my energy into something else. Maybe I can take some classes or find a way to help other people. Like this is so important. You know, that peer support group and his chaplain, like at that moment, like he was getting choked up. His chaplain called him right in front of him. He goes, this is him. I got to go. Right. And I was like, dude, the chaplains (laughs) don't know their importance. No, they really don't. You know, like if you're listening, man, like if the department should have one, if it doesn't, work on getting something like
1: that set up yeah, cuz right. it literally saves lives. Yeah. And it, you know, it's being on uh a special rescue team which we've all been a part of. There at times you feel like it's not the manly thing to do. And you no, know, and I don't mean that in the in the sexist, sexist, way. Sexist, sexist way, but it's not the warrior thing to do. Right. We're, not, we're not toting guns, gentlemen, Navy SEALs out there that are watching this. We hold no candle to you all, but there is something to be said about jumping in a frigid river in the middle of the night, uh, not knowing whether or not you're, you're going to come, come, come back, back out. out. Yeah. So I, that part of it is a warrior mindset. So I say it from that point, but um, it's not the warrior thing to do. You know, we're special yeah, ops, we we're special rescue, you know. We talk about this. Yeah, yeah. We, we, drink a, we drink a beer and talk about it over a steak. You know, we yeah. don't, and that's for the furthest thing from the truth because, you know, really you should view the chaplain as probably one of the more important members of your team. 100%. You know, all your big, all your good teams roll out with somebody yeah. like that uh, on on staff, on duty. Um. So, you know, it. it but it is hard. Yeah. It's hard to talk to somebody yeah. that's, you know, maybe it wasn't there, and I think that's you're right. I mean, we have these gory conversations. You know, uh, yeah. I remember, you know, we pulled a lady out of a vehicle that had just—I mean—obliterated <laughs> a tree and basically made a Z-Z frame out of the truck. And yeah. as we pulled her out, her neck was obviously broken. And for people that don't know, when you you can you get rigor mortis, but if anything's broken, that that piece flops because it's broken and uh, I remember we pulled her out and she was a fairly large lady the, the, the truck was so close to the tree we could only get yeah. a few guys in there to get her out so we couldn't get her head and so in the scream of things she just kind of fell into the body bag and mm-hmm. I remember one of the guys immediately just caught her head so that it wouldn't hit the ground just yeah out of being a human respect just, yeah, yeah out of respect and just laid her head down, you know. The rest of her body did, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say uh, forcefully fu- fell, but when you're dealing with dead weight and, right, yeah. and there's only two of you, right. you have to be yeah. fast. And so it happened quickly. But I remember him reaching out. And, and this guy was, uh, was a leader. He was, but just that little bit of humanity in that moment. And yeah, it was that's like, crazy. man. That's powerful. And uh, I remember him telling me about that later, about yeah. catching that individual's head. And just how it felt to him, and uh you know we laughed about it a little bit, not out of not out of disrespect for the dead, don 't get me wrong, but just the the fact that 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 was his reaction like yeah. that's just what I knew to do, yeah. you know, so even after yeah. death, he 's one to help you know? right yeah so but uh getting to talk about it, he told me later it was you know it was helpful because it for him. was yeah
2: it it's hard to understand how. I can I get you 100% with the, it, you kind of laughed about it later because she had already passed she wasn't gonna feel it like right. Right, yeah. but you still didn't want her head to hit the ground like so right, hey yeah. I caught it you know and it's it's hard to explain that that mentality where you
0: remember the story of Benghazi whenever they said they were having to throw the bodies over top of the embassy yeah to get them down to evacuate and those guys were talking how bad that bothered them yeah. You know, because it's, it's your buddy, it's, it's your buddy. It's even though they're passed away.
2: Right. You know,
0: it's, it's, human, man. it's a human. Yeah. You right. know, And that's hard for us is to, you know, you get on the scene that you're talking about and you got this infant in the back and you got these two deceased up front and it's like you getting tunnel vision, you're focusing on this, it's what you're working on. Maybe it's your, from previous experiences, maybe it's motherhood instinct, I don't know. But you're focused on this kid. And it's like, this is what I got to do, it's what I got to do. And like, you still feel bad for the people that are deceased and... You were Talking about it was so hard to get them out, and you, you said yourself, and things went wrong. You know, how
1: How much more wrong can you how, get the yeah. dead? Yeah,
2: how, right. how, how wrong can you right. get? But
0: you, you, I wrote that down because you said things just kept going wrong because we were trying to get them out respectfully, right? Yeah. You know, and that's stuff that we carry with us. You know, what I'm oh, saying yeah. it's like I, I get I won't have enough
1: coaches all day to last for everybody, but it's just like people don't get it. I bet, I bet, I would bet good money there's not a person around this table or on our team that hasn't talked to the dead.
2: No, oh, absolutely. I do all the time. I have to. It's yeah. like a coping thing. Yeah. I
1: don't mean talking to ghosts for those that are listening that don't understand. <laughs> I mean like you're, the, the body's there, and you're saying, you know, I'm sorry, I got to do this, or yeah. you know, yeah. I'm you, sorry, I couldn't save you. Yeah, sorry, I, said I couldn't. That uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you yeah. fought well, or you tried hard, or you know, uh, I'm sorry, or your family's going to be fine, or whatever. Yeah. You've, you've, we've all said those things.
2: I don't, I don't know. That. I didn't know that other people did that. Oh, Every, yeah. I
1: think everybody because, does
2: because I do. Like yeah. if we show up to a D.O.A. and I'm like, okay, well, we're gonna have to move you now. I'm sorry. Yep. I'm not meaning yeah. to I, twist your arm this way. But, you I, I know. took
0: care of the baby. It's okay.
2: We've got, this, we've got mean, this from here. You know. That's rough.
1: For those that are listening to this podcast that think any of this is offensive, you need to probably find a new podcast. Right. Yeah. Because you're obviously not in the same mindset. as mind. State we're, state just, mind. we're just getting started. I mean, right. yeah, this, man, is, this, is this is our lot. first
0: one. We've got a whole lot more. And it's not meant to be an easy listen. It's not. No. But it's meant for you to understand what we go through. Right. And as bad
2: as this is, like yeah. this this is one of the lighter stories. <laughs> right. This yeah. is... <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Do you I've have anything else you. on that incident? Or are you good?
2: Uh, my takeaway from it was just make sure that I, I like to to think that okay this bad thing happened what can I make good out of it and and in that particular like I said before is uh education on the importance of car seats and when something that bad goes wrong but you did everything that you were supposed to yeah the you know you go into triage mode where are like okay I can't do anything for them I can take care of him right yeah. because Mom thought to put the car seat in correctly, and they buckled him exactly the right way. Don't be in a rush. I know. Don't you know? Don't be in a hurry. We're we're really busy all the time. Put your seatbelt on. Make sure that your children are buckled correctly because it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference, and that's but life and death difference.
0: Well, that's a very important takeaway. <laughs> that's a very important because we all get in a rush. You know, yeah. it's such bad a rush now. Like whenever we turn our vehicle off. A big old screen comes up and says don't forget to check the back of the car for passengers right because we're going 100 miles an hour all the time yeah so that's very important well guys if you're a first responder out there and you are dealing with issues and dealing with with things that you want to be able to talk about if you're if you relate to this if you know that you need assistance you need help we want to be able to provide you with some contact information to reach out to we've got a couple here Um, there's a Kentucky Community Crisis Response Board Uh, it's 24 hours it's uh, we'll put the number in the video I don't know which camera's looking or where to put the number at, but it's going to be 888-522-7228, 888-522-7228, and there's um, an organization that's really worked kind of closely with our local fire department, it's called Thin Line Counseling, and this is Dr. Trevor Wilkins, and He's up in Lexington, Kentucky. Phone number is 1-800-464-1958. 1-800-464-1958. And I hear this guy is just no BS. He's been on the front lines. He understands what's going on, and he's willing to help people, and he can relate 100%. And that's one of the hard things that we try to find is like somebody that's actually been there and get what I'm talking about. And this guy supposedly is just awesome when it comes to that so guys stay tuned for we got more trauma talks coming up uh we hope you enjoyed the podcast i know it's difficult to listen to but maybe there's somebody that you know that's suffering and dealing with things and they can relate to this and find a source to get some help as well so thank you guys so much and we'll check you out on the next podcast everybody good yeah good all right man let's do it this has been a production of Five Stone and River Right Productions. Guys, I want to thank you so much for your support and time and ask that you would check out our very own gourmet coffee line, Five Stone Frontline Coffee. Guys, we we'll take part of these profits and give it right back to the front line. That's what we're about here at Five Stone. We want to support those people who support us every single day. It helps to continue our missions on the front line here at Five Stone, and it helps to give back to the families of the fallen heroes that have served and sacrificed everything for you and for me. So when you have a cup of Five Stone coffee, you're not only having gourmet coffee you're giving back you're joining the mission and you're helping us to serve other people so by getting our classes getting our materials getting our frontline coffee you're joining our mission and we cannot thank you enough for your support in this guys check us out at five stoneusacom that's the number five five that's where we're at guys the information we give you on this podcast is for informational purposes if you need good in-person training guys reach out to us we can come to you and help you with your needs Guys, don't forget, prepare, respond, and serve, because someday you will be somebody's first responder. Your time is coming. Will you be ready to answer the call? If not, Five Stones here to help you become prepared to respond and serve. Thank you so much, guys. God bless
1: each and every one of you. Train hard to be ready.